Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 129. One degree increase on the equator is equal to an eight degree increase in the Northern Hemisphere as you get closer to the poles. My name is Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today, we're at the ICC United Kingdom's annual conference, International Trade and Prosperity Week, here at Diageo's headquarters in London. I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Salesworth, Secretary General at ICC United Kingdom. Chris, welcome. Nice to be here. So, Chris, 1.5 is the number of the day, I'd say 1.5 degrees specifically. Why has that number been banded around? Well, that was the original assessment of where global temperatures get to a point where we need to keep that overall global temperature at. It's actually 1.5 to 2 degrees. In other words, we don't want the global temperature to rise above that level, because if we do, then there's a whole range of other consequences that affect the planet. So it's about keeping that temperature below the 1.5 to 2. Actually, I think what's more acute now is we're not on track for 1.52 degrees at all. We're actually on track for 3 degrees. As the temperature increases exponentially, if you like, or incrementally, I should say, the trouble is you get to points of no return. You get to points where the whole economy becomes uninsurable. So if you speak to the actuaries who manage and our investments and pensions and homes, they are extremely alarmed. Actually, our business economy will become uninsurable. You can already see that in some areas where there's like floodplains, where there's been climate related damage of some shape or form. Well, that could apply to all of us. Our homes won't be insurable. Our businesses won't be insurable. And that presents all sorts of risks. It's really, really important that we don't lose sight of this global temperature rise. When you hear politicians talking, they almost skip the whole subject and present net zero as a cost to the public. What they're not telling you is the cost of no action is far, far greater than the cost of action. We don't have a choice. This is about a sustainable planet. It's about safeguarding the futures of our children. And importantly, it's about a huge economic opportunity. It's about new jobs, new investment, better quality jobs as well, and all the opportunities that come with that. It's looking at it as a task that we must all be involved in delivering. It's not about putting targets back. If anything, it's about pulling the targets forward because climate change is coming at us faster than was predicted. And of course, that means the impacts are going to hit us harder. And we can see that every day in the news where we've been on holiday or with our families overseas. Climate disruption's more intense and it's coming at us much, much more frequently. Yeah, absolutely. Certain we're venturing into uncharted waters. A, a quote from earlier, it's, a, it's an experiment of humanity. And I think the 1.5 degrees relates to some of those feedback loops, trigger points and cause for irreversible change. What's quite interesting, Chris, and I know we spoke around August 2021 when the last IPCC or the previous IPCC report came out, and it really had no mention of trade and trade finance, which is really interesting because I think the rhetoric's changed. So I guess taking a bit of a step back from the 1.5 degrees topic. Why has the ICC United Kingdom chosen delivering sustainable global value chains as the key theme for Trade and Prosperity Week? 
this yeah. year in 2023. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. Just before I do, we should mention around global temperature rises, it's not even either. That point gets lost sometimes, that a one degree increase on the equator is equal to an eight degree increase in the Northern Hemisphere as you get closer to the poles. And so we've got to accommodate that. It's not the same for everyone. Going back to trade, I think this is a really, really important point. And I'm not sure I can fully answer the question as to why we're not talking about trade enough. I have a suspicion that people who are driving the conversation, the scientists, the experts in their respective areas, and this applies to biodiversity as well, actually, is that fundamentally, these are climate experts, sustainability experts, biodiversity experts. They're not trade experts or finance. There are sustainable finance, but they're not actually trade people in the main. And so we as a global community, our governments have quite rightly made commitments that we should, our global supply chains must be sustainable, quite rightly so. It's not just about the impact on the ground where our business operations are, it's what's happening when goods or services are moving from A to B. And are those sustainable? Because a good chunk of our emissions are coming from our global supply chains. So we need to understand our global supply chains. And this is where the problem starts. For lots of companies, when you talk to them, this what they call scope three, this global supply chain challenge, how do you deliver that? Because the quality of data gets progressively less as you get further down the supply chain and get further, particularly into the emerging markets, where that data quality is just not there. And so there's a terrific challenge to understand what the impact of production is with the companies who are our suppliers, what the impact is on the environment and planet when we are moving and shipping goods. And what does all of that sum up to when all of that sort of is part of your extended supply chain as a company? That's terrifically challenging. And so we've chosen sustainable global value chains as a, a focus because we know it's a general challenge for all companies. It's also cross-jurisdictional. And so ICC is uniquely placed in that sense. Uh, you can't solve that problem from a domestic point of view. You just don't have the insight you need. You don't have the influence that you need. And you don't have that convening ability either to bring all the parties to the table because it quite often involves laws, rules, standards at national, regional level as well. And so for us, all we're saying is ICC is a unique organization in that sense. We have the scale, we have the representation, we have that convening ability, and we also have a lot of expertise in that data space because we're heavily involved in driving trade digitalization, which has many of the same issues, super complex, lots of different actors. We've got to get off the paper to get the data. And some of those key trade data sets are really important when it comes to ESG reporting. What are the goods? Where are they from? Who's paying for them? At the moment, that's all on pieces of paper. Well, we've got to get off the paper and then we'll get much better quality data. And that's important, obviously, for more transparency and better quality decisions and reporting, which is ultimately what all companies need. No, thank you. And I think that was summarized quite nicely by Stuart Bruce, who's the chair of the IC United Kingdom Energy and Environment Committee. I think he said something along the lines of businesses have more to gain from climate action than from climate inaction. And I think that falls nicely with the launch of your toolkit today for delivering sustainable value chains. Can you talk a little bit more about this toolkit, Chris? We've published case studies in the past. You know, we're trying to take a very practical view. So ICC is very involved in global frameworks, shaping global frameworks, whether it's sustainable finance or carbon markets. But actually, when you talk to an average, particularly small companies, they just want practical advice. And so the toolkit is really designed to collate what we know and what we see and give some examples 
practical examples of case studies. What are companies doing on climate action? What are they doing on tackling biodiversity or reversing biodiversity loss? What are they doing in terms of improving that circular economy? And then there's a range of other, again, practical tools like reporting frameworks. Do all companies know what the reporting frameworks are, what they call TNFD, TCFD? They are there, and what we're trying to do is put a more of a spotlight on it so that companies know where to go. And then the Chancery Lane project's done a terrific amount of work on net zero clauses. Well, that's really important when you're trying to drive change through your supply chain. You have model contract clauses that you can just copy and paste into your sales contracts. It's brilliant. And then we have SME checklists as well. For a small company, often it's just about being very, very simple and saying these are the five things that you can do on Monday. And overall, of course, that stacks up to the transition to sustainability that we all want to see. So it's intended to be practical. It's intended to, for decision makers to be able to share wherever that might be in the world or wherever that might be in the supply chain. Thank you very much. Here we are in the UK, just a few hours away in Dubai, and at the end of the month is COP28. From an ICC United Kingdom and also from an ICC global perspective, what do you think we can expect coming out of COP? And what do you as policymakers, practitioners need to do to drive that conversation at a faster rate? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the truth is, I think expectations are quite low. We're not really seeing great outputs from any of the multilateral forums right now. And that's because there are just differences of opinion, depending on where you're coming from, whether that's coming from the East or coming from Europe or coming from the US. And that has a real impact on the ability to negotiate real actions. And we're seeing it, like I say, in G7 or G20, there's not a lot of great commitments coming out. So I think for COP this year, Obviously, every country, every host puts their own focus on it. But I think from the business community, it's really obvious that businesses are way out in front of governments in terms of their ambition, in terms of their prioritization on this whole issue, whole area of sustainability. And governments are now a long way behind us. The first task is we need to be there. If we're not there, governments will get away with inaction. We need to be there in numbers and we need to hold our national governments to account and push them much harder on implementation, making sure that they're following through. And if you put it in the UK context, we've just seen it in recent weeks, haven't we, with the Prime Minister announcing that they're putting the targets back. As we've just been talking about in terms of global temperatures, it's more about pulling the targets forward. But that same type of thinking is going on in other parts of the world too. We can't allow that to happen from a business point of view. This is really important to the business economy. COP for me, number one priority is to be there. If we're not there, things don't happen. Number two priority is to make sure we are fully engaged with our governments and they absolutely feel the pressure. And number three is to stress that economic opportunity. This is not about just cost. It's about the long-term opportunity of our national economies and the global economy and making sure that governments are following through. Thank you very much. Be there, engage and make sure your local government's following through with their actions as opposed to inaction. That was Chris Salesworth, Secretary General at ICC United Kingdom. TFG are delighted to be media partners with ICC UK at their annual conference, International Trade and Prosperity Week here in London. Chris, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.